Something that's interested me for a long time is lake monsters. Heck, I've even done some in-depth documentaries on quite a few of them. But, what would happen if you saw one yourself? How would you feel? What would you think? Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another episode, and welcome if you're new. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true lake monster horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. Now, as always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story to swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Also, I recently started streaming on Twitch multiple times a week. If you're into horror games, chill streams, scary stories live, and stuff like that, definitely check that out. The link is in the description. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe if you're new, and get ready for these creepy and allegedly true lake monster horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. This takes place when I went to Mexico for summer vacation. I was 14 at the time, and like everyone else, I was curious about the legends and scary stories. Since I got there, my cousins would be telling me stories about strange things that would happen in abandoned houses down the block from my grandmother's house. The story that intrigued me the most was the one about a creature living in the town's lake. That was the cause of a lot of drownings that happened in the past. My uncle to this day likes the outdoors, and when I am visiting, he used to take me hunting and fishing. One day, a friend of his invited us to go camping by the lake. He had plans of setting out a net from side to side and leaving it overnight and seeing what he caught in the morning. My uncle couldn't make it because of his job and my grandma didn't let me go without my uncle. So he took off by himself and told us he will let us know if he caught anything in the morning. I stayed home bummed out waiting for my uncle to get off work so we could at least go out for some tacos. We took some to go and went home at around 2 in the morning. We heard a loud knocks outside the door. Now, these knocks were like frantic banging, so it caught us off guard just a bit as you could imagine. My grandma got up and went to check who it was while my uncle was grabbing his machete. Outside the door was my uncle's friend. He was pale and had that look of terror. We asked him what was going on and he only stuttered. We brought him inside and let him calm down. Once he did, my uncle asked him again what had happened. He told us that he ended up going fishing by himself and thought it was going to be a good night. The moon was bright and you were able to see all around the lake, but he was having bad luck and not catching a single thing. So after an hour of no luck, he decided to head back home. He said that since he wasn't catching anything, there was no point in setting up the tent. He got on his bike and started going around the lake to get to the trail to head back when he spotted something at the edge of the lake. Something was coming out of the water. He didn't get scared at first because he didn't know what he's looking at, and from far away, it looked kind of small. He thought it was probably an iguana or something like that. There are some that grow up to three feet in that town. So, he kept pedaling and got near the trail, curious to see the lizard up close. Since the trail was going to pass where he saw the thing coming out, once he did, he would forever regret it. He said that once he got close, the creature was still halfway out of the water. He only knows this because when he got close to this thing, he heard the tires making noise with the dirt and this thing turned around to look straight at him with big red eyes. It started coming out of the water, he said. 
The creature's scaly skin was shining with the light of the moon and was standing on two legs once it was out of the water. It had a tail like lizards do, except smaller like a stump. About six feet long this thing would have been, he said. If it didn't look him in the eyes, my uncle's friend wouldn't have believed this himself. But his reaction had him almost frozen in shock. He was able to snap out of it rather quickly, though, and started pedaling down the trail as fast as he could. Since my grandma's house is close to the lake, that was the reason why he stopped here instead of going home. The next day, we were talking about it and my grandma heard us talking and said it was El Chavarin, an old legend about a fisherman making a deal with the devil and not keeping his promise. So the devil turned him into a monster as punishment, and throughout the years he's been the cause of people drowning close to the lake and the rivers nearby. There is something about the Finger Lakes that suggests the possibility of supernatural and mysterious things. Legends and stories abound of hauntings, spirit happenings, utopian communities, ancient ruins, inexplicable phenomena, extraterrestrial visits, and the occasional glimpse of even Sasquatch. Among the most intriguing stories are the numerous reported sightings in the deepest parts of the lake, an aquatic creature, a lake monster if you will. Each of the Finger Lakes has its own personality, of course, but the Lakes Seneca and Cayuga seem to fit within a different, more mysterious category. Their waters are colder, their moods are darker, their waves are bigger. You can travel on boats to and from the sea to these two lakes, and their sheer size seems to hint at the possibility of ancient aquatic megafauna. Native Americans believed Seneca Lake to be a bottomless lake with a monster that lived within its depths. Almost 40 miles long, deep, and one to three miles wide, the pitch black depths of the both hundreds of feet deeper than sunlight can penetrate descend to depths below sea level. Reports of monsters in Cayuga Lake were numerous, perhaps even routine in the 1800s. It can be inferred from a story from January 5th, 1897 in an edition of the Ithaca Journal. Incredibly, the piece reported that a recent sighting marked the 69th consecutive year in which there was a confirmed encounter with the monster nicknamed Old Greeny. The story went on to recount that the member of the newspaper staff had been living in daily anticipation of Old Greeny's appearance and had refused reporting assignments that would have taken them near the lake because they were afraid of the monster. The 1897 incident was reported to have been by an Ithaca resident who was driving along the lake's eastern shore and saw what he knew must be the large, long sea serpent. Of course, there were many people trying to debunk it as some sort of tramp or muskrat. Sporadic and isolated reports of the creature would continue until about 1929, when people began reporting not one, but two creatures sighted together along the lake's eastern shore. The creatures were described by witnesses as being 12 to 15 feet in length. It was speculated that they might be members of the Seneca Lake Sea Serpent family that found their way into the local waters through a subterranean channel, which is believed to exist between the two lakes. Legends of tunnels connecting Cayuga and Seneca Lakes have circulated for many, many years, which anyone with a rudimentary grasp of the notion of water seeking its own level knows could be possible. Occasional other reports of Old Greeny have certainly been made since then, 
including a 1974 attack in which a teenage boy apparently had his arm broken and bit by a large eel-like creature, and the local 1979 encounter by a professional diver of a submerged animal 30 to 35 feet in length. Still, all the reported sightings, save one, have been by one or two persons. The incident with the greatest number of witnesses, and therefore the most credible lake monster encounter, happened on the evening of July 14, 1899 on Seneca Lake. The side-wheeled steamboat Otetiani, named to evoke the region's Iroquois past, was traveling north toward Geneva from Watkins Glen with several dozen passengers at about 7 p.m. Sunset was at approximately 8.40, so there was plenty of daylight left, and it had been a sunny and seasonably warm high 79. Somewhere between Dresden on the west side of the lake and Willard on the east side, pilot Frederick Rose reported that approximately 400 yards ahead of the boat was what appeared to be an overturned boat. Captain Carlton Herodine examined the thing with his telescope, later describing its appearance as being 25 feet long with a very sharp bow and long narrow stern. Passengers began to gather. It was a group of some ostensibly credible witnesses, including two commissioners of public works, a police commissioner, the manager of the Geneva Telephone Company, and a geology professor. As Captain Herendine completed his inspection, the pilot signaled the engineer to slow down the boat. The steamboat approached to within 100 yards and lowered a boat to take a closer look. Suddenly, the object turned and began to move away. The captain immediately ordered a full speed ahead. As the thing was moving slowly, the steamboat gained on it easily. The object turned again, this time toward the steamboat, raising its head, looking in the direction of the boat and opening its mouth, displaying two rows of sharp white teeth. Captain Herendine declared that he would ram the creature and take it alive, if possible. Otherwise, he would kill it and take it aboard or tow it to Geneva. This was the United States in 1899, when conservation of flora and fauna was still kind of fringe. Out west, the bison population, perhaps 10 million in 1850, had been reduced to fewer than a thousand. Passenger pigeons, numbering in the billions in 1860, were on the brink of extinction. And so the boat was turned so that the boat would approach the creature from the side at a ramming speed. The deck of the steamboat was crowded with passengers who were ordered by the captain to put on life preservers. According to the Geneva Gazette, every eye on deck was fixed on the monster and hardly a person was breathing normally. While the boat was yet some distance from it, the monster again looked at the boat, sank out of sight, and the boat passed over the spot where it had been. As the steamboat approached within 50 yards of the creature, the captain gave the order to turn the boat so that its paddle wheel would strike the creature midway between its head and tail. The boat went full steam ahead and struck the monster with enough impact that many of the passengers were thrown off their feet. The mortally wounded animal lay in the water next to the steamboat. It raised its head, gave a sound like a gasp, and lay quiet. Its spinal column had been broken and it was dead. Lifeboats were immediately lowered, and lines were strung around the body. Passengers and crew tried to secure the carcass. In the end, though it proved too heavy or unwieldy and dropped into the water, sinking 600 feet to the bottom of Seneca Lake, the ship reached Geneva after dark and the passengers began to tell their stories of the incident. While all agreed that a monster had been seen, 
different versions of the length of the monster from 25 feet to as much as 90 feet strained the credibility of the accounts. The Rochester Herald said that Professor George R. Elwood, the geologist on board, who had been in one of the lifeboats trying to secure the body, gave what was considered the most careful and perhaps most trustworthy account. He thought it was a cladastus, an extinct marine lizard from the Mosasaur family that lived in what is now the United States until it disappeared from the fossil record at the end of the Cretaceous period, about 66 million years ago. Now, we can't let skepticism get the better of us. Considering that in December of 1938, a South African fisherman caught a coelacanth, which is a fish that was thought to have been extinct and disappeared from the fossil record at the end of the Cretaceous period, 66 million years ago. So it is entirely possible that this thing could have existed. Professor Elwood went on to describe the creature as about 25 feet long with a tail that tapered until within about 5 feet of the head which it broadened out and looked much more like a whale. The creature weighed about 1,000 pounds. Its head was perhaps four feet long and triangular. Its mouth was very long, and it was armed with two rows of triangular white teeth as sharp as those as a shark, but in the shape more like that of a sperm whale. Its body was covered with a horny substance, which was much like the carapace of a terrapin, as anything else of which I know. This horny substance was brown in color and of a greenish tinge. The belly of the creature, which I saw after the rope slipped and the carcass was going down, was cream white. Its eyes were round, like those of a fish, and it did not wink. For years now, what could it have been has been the question that has speculated around the area, and even the country, and now the world. It hardly seems likely that so many people could have imagined something so vivid if there had been nothing there. Lake Sturgeon, indigenous to both big lakes, can live to be as old as 100 years, grow to 9 feet long and 300 pounds. Their skin is like a shark-like dull gray. Eels are darker but smaller, not getting much longer than 5 feet. Muscalungi can also get over 5 feet long and weigh 70 pounds. Plus, they have rows of sharp teeth. None are apt to convince a boatload of people that they were in the presence of a 25-foot monster, though. It was suggested by cynics that the whole thing was a hoax perpetuated by the passengers and crew, which is also exceedingly unlikely. Dozens of people would have had to have kept that secret for the rest of their lives, while human nature suggests that no group larger than three people can be trusted to reliably keep a secret for a long weekend. The Geneva Historical Society can document at least 20 separate reported sightings of the Seneca Lake Monster, most recently in 2013. Cayuga's Old Greenie has a Facebook page. Clearly, the idea that Big Lakes harbor mysteries beyond our knowledge is one that is held stubborn and collective in our imagination. It's part of the charm of living in small towns, I would say, especially lake towns. Hey Swamp Folk, I know, I know, mid-rolls suck in these episodes, but this helps the channel keep going. Today's sponsor is HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Now, look. I would never tell you guys to check out something I don't use myself. I've been using HelloFresh for over two years now, and honestly, it's helped me a ton with my nutrition, especially when it comes to my meal planning for working out and all those good things. 
HelloFresh has fit and wholesome recipes for satisfying and nutritious meals that can help you feel good, with about six recipes per week to choose from, including low-calorie and carb-conscious options. Warm yourself up from the inside out with a limited-time recipe inspired by cozy classics from around the world like beef tenderloin and cheese fondue or miso sesame shrimp and bacon ramen. HelloFresh is 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the same quality, and you can save on average over $65 per month when you order HelloFresh instead of grocery shopping. That's money in your pocket. So, what are you waiting for? Join me and hundreds of others in the swamp today. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Swamped16 and use code Swamped16 for up to 16 free meals and 3 gifts. Once again, go to HelloFresh.com slash Swamped16 and use code Swamped16 for up to 16 free meals and 3 free gifts. This was sometime in 2015. I had gone camping with a couple of friends. This was probably the third time I'd ever been camping. We were at a pay-to-stay campground. We were even staying in a tiny cabin by a big lake, so it wasn't like we were out in the wild. Now, back then I used to get panic attacks sometimes for no reason. For some reason, despite my immense love for nature, ever since my first camping trip I would often get a panic attack when camping. I couldn't tell you why for the life of me. Well, that night I had one and it was severe to the point where I had felt like I could not breathe if I stayed in a cabin, but I would get scared if I stayed outside alone. So I had a lot of back and forth and my poor friends put up with me. At one point I had stepped outside with one of them, my significant other at the time, and was trying to calm down and wondering where I could go pee. My significant other had a flashlight and was leading me to a spot in the dirt at the edge of the trees between our two parked cars. He reasoned it was a good enough distance from the cabin and yet not in the middle of the woods where some critter could catch me with my pants down. So I agreed, and that's when I saw it. I, I can still remember. I could barely see the lake from the distance. I stepped past the first car and looked between, and there at the edge of the woods where it meets the lake, I could see something. It looked like a creature. There was minimal light, so I could barely see its silhouette, but I could tell it was not human. It was so strange because it was silent. The creature had the general body shape of what looked like a dog, but its colors and features were more like a hyena, but also like an aquatic monster. It was almost like it was a fusion between the two. I could definitely tell. It definitely was capable of living and moving on land, but it also had features that made it look very much like it swam and spent a lot of time in the water. I stood there perfectly still, watching this thing slowly emerge from the water. I only saw its torso and head and the front of its legs. The thing I'll never get over is its face. It looked like it was frozen in time with its jaw wide open, revealing sharp, bright teeth. Its eyes were looking right at me, but its nose wasn't wrinkled like a snarl, and there was no growling, there was no sound at all. It was the oddest thing. It sent an instant, deep ball of dread down into my core. After I froze for a long moment, I grabbed my significant other's arm and urgently whispered for them to go back in the cabin. I forgot to mention that this thing's eyes were glowing, more than likely reflecting the light. We got in the cabin and the other two friends were asleep, so my significant other didn't see whatever I saw, I'm pretty sure. I'll ask him eventually, but I couldn't sleep that night. With my panic 
and now the sight of what I eventually know is to be some sort of water monster, I just could not feel safe. Eventually, I went and slept in my car, because apparently in my brain, that just seemed like the safest place to be. Hello, I need to get this experience off of my chest, since I know if I tell any of my friends or family, I would probably be blamed for seeking attention or something like that. So, I have been a Boy Scout for a while. I'm 13 and live in the Appalachian Mountains, and have my entire life. This happened about two months ago at a popular camp that we go to every summer. So, it all started when the troop leader decided to go there for planning the rest of the year. So, the first night we arrived and went to the lodge and went to bed. The next morning we got most of the planning done, so they let us do whatever on the outbreak. Me and another scout member went fishing at the nearby lake that was a part of the camp. It fed directly from the river, and me and him were fishing on a dock where the river and the lake met. I was sitting on the dock and looked down below, since the water was clear, to see if I could see a fish. Instead, I saw what I thought was a tree branch that had fallen and was a part of the dock, suddenly pull away under the dock. It scared me at first, but when I thought that it could have been in the current, I just continued fishing. After we were done there, me and him changed location. I had a dead crawfish hooked when I reeled in my lure. It fell off and I tried to rescue it. I tried to get it at the end of my rod so I could prank another troop member with it. The water was a lot less clear there than it was at the dock, so I felt around for it when out of nowhere, I felt something jerk on the rod. I almost actually fell in, but luckily, I was firmly planted in the ground. I looked in the water and I kid you not, a hand was on the end of my rod. I jerked the rod away from whatever the hell this thing was, and in doing so, jerked it so it was closer. I got a good look at the entire thing. It was green in color, with what looked like scales on it. It had fins all over it, and its face is what gives me nightmares. Its face almost looked like a human's face, but it had no nose. And its eyes, well, I don't know if it had eyes, because either it was deep in its head, because all I could see were deep pits of sockets with black inside. It had a snout like a wolf, long needle-like teeth. I quickly got up and ran over to my friend and told him we needed to leave. I made up a quick story since I knew he wouldn't believe me about the creature I saw. So, we went back to the lodge. The rest of the trip, I was paranoid. I was so scared that this thing would suddenly come on land afterward and get me. After we left, I have not gone back to that lake because of obvious reasons, nor will I go back to camp there again. I never knew something like that existed. Until now. These experiences occurred at Lake Gogabic in Michigan from 1994 to 1996. I've lived in Michigan all of my life and never been interested in moving anywhere else. My family is here. It is and always will be my home. And during the time span, I was accustomed to hiking along the side of the lake where the brush was thin enough to allow me to do so. There was some private property along the shoreline as well that I avoided by cutting through the woods and coming back toward the lake once I passed. I always wondered if people thought I was a bit creepy, just bumbling through the woods. But I did wear a backpack and hiking boots. I'm sure folks that did see me knew what I was doing. Anyway, in 1994, 
One Saturday morning, I woke up at about 5 when it was still dark out and got my stuff together. I packed some granola bars as I planned to have a peaceful breakfast on the edge of the lake while watching the sunrise. Nothing beats it. After a 30-minute drive, I was exactly where I wanted to be, under a rich canopy in the faint shadows cast by a rising sun. But something felt different. Something felt wrong. Now before I continue, you must know I had been walking in those woods and next to that lake at least 500 times. I've never once had an eerie feeling while I was out there. But that day, something was different. I felt like I was being watched. At least a dozen times I stopped to listen. I would look around to see no one or anything out of place. Maybe I was still tired or something. Well, I kept on walking, and no longer after, I swear I heard footsteps behind me again. I turned to see who it was and there was still no one there. The trees were still. There was no wind. I was alone. I started again walking toward the edge of the water. I was starving and ready to have a seat and start eating. And again those footsteps came from behind me. Who's there? I called out to the motionless forest that surrounded me. No one replied. Waiting for about 15 minutes I stood as calmly as I could. But to be honest I was starting to feel more and more uneasy by the second. After hearing nothing, I took a few steps toward a cozy looking rock by the bank and sat down. I peeled the wrappers from my breakfast and had at it, taking swigs of bottled water in between bites and whistling a tune here and there. What I didn't expect was to hear someone whistling back to me. I stopped, almost choking on my granola. My body was covered in goose flesh. As I slid around the rock to face the forest, there was still no one there. Now, more curious than afraid, I drank another gulp of water and whistled again. Once more, after a few seconds, the same tune whistled back to me, plain as day. It was either my first time ever hearing an echo out on this lake, or someone hiding in the woods was trying to scare me. One more time, I whistled expecting to pinpoint exactly where this mimicry was coming from. This time, the tune came from directly behind me. I fell forward off the rock and faced the direction it came from while crawling away backward. My heart was pounding out of my chest. All I was able to glimpse was a large splash in the water and the fleeting ripples thereafter. Without a moment of hesitation, I picked up my backpack and ran toward my truck. I didn't set out for Gogabik again for months. I was still spooked after this weird experience. Eventually, I did start my usual hikes again, and for the longest time, I didn't run into anything weird. One day in 1995, though, I did hear the footsteps again. But the moment I heard it, I turned tail and ran back to my truck. I was not about to chance it was something I couldn't even see. The final experience happened in the spring of 1996. This is the experience that confirmed that whatever was happening wasn't echoes, animals in the woods, or some prankster trying to get me. The following experience left me with nightmares still to this day. I had figured that if I just avoided that side of the lake, it'd be okay. I'd be fine. So this time... I parked my truck on literally the opposite side, and that's a big deal. Gogabik is the largest natural lake in Michigan, so I was miles away from where that other weirdness had happened. That day I had brought a sketch pad and a set of colored pencils. I had gotten into sketching scenery recently and using that medium really helped me relax and forget my problems. At least for a moment. I was being extremely quiet. It's not like I was trying to be as quiet as possible, I was just focused and still. When the footsteps came out of nowhere, those all too familiar footsteps. 
I looked ever so slowly in the direction they were coming from. I expected to see nothing. For so long I've been hearing these footsteps and for so long I've witnessed them coming from nowhere. Not today. No, this time I saw something. And I can say for sure this was no person. It was standing at the edge of the water, looking out over the lake. It looked hunched over and thin. Skin was pale as the moon. Just the sight of it made my skin crawl. My heart seemed to stop. I prayed and I prayed to my head, hoping this thing would not see me. There was no telling how long that thing had been walking over there for. But, God, even hunched it was so tall. It stood at least three feet over me. I did not want to catch this thing's attention. I stayed put. I didn't move, and I barely breathed. For at least 30 minutes, the creature didn't move as it continued to stare at the water. Finally, it walked slowly forward, taking massive steps into the shallow water before the top of its head disappeared into it. I should have drawn it, but I was too scared to move, and I couldn't make out too much of its face. I continued to sit and sit, waiting and breathing slowly. Underwater or not, it was too soon to start running. I waited another half hour just to be safe. My ass started to ache, and the rock underneath me did not feel good after a while. Eventually, I called it. It was time to get the hell home. ASAP. I slid my sketchbook and pencil case into my bag and stood up. I turned toward the trail. There it was. Not two yards in front of my face, it stood staring at me. It was towering over me, yet still standing in the water. The face... God, that face... I finally got a good look at it. It was black, with sunken pits where its eyes should have been. Black, sunken pits where its eyes should have been. There was no nose, just wrinkled pink and pale, almost disgusting blue skin, and where the mouth was meant to be was just an absence of anything. With its lacking eyes, it faced me. It stared at me. I slowly backed away, and yet its empty gaze followed me. I had no other choice. I had to run. It reached out to me with a long, thin finger that had no nails. Before they could reach me, I broke into my fastest possible sprint. I did not turn around. I did not glance over my shoulder. The moment I reached my truck, I opened the door, jumped in, and sped away. Since that day, I have not gone back to Lake Gogobik, and I never planned to. Twenty years have passed, and I'm an old man now, and I'm still very much afraid of that place. I do not know what I saw. I don't think I ever will. But I have passed these stories down to my kids and my kids' kids in hopes that they will have some sort of idea of what is out there. No matter how smart people think they are, we do not know everything about our planet. There are creatures that elude us. Believe me, I came face to face with one. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true lake monster horror stories. As always, if you had a story that you would like to share in a future video, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it, and that's incredibly helpful to the swamp. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, be sure to give this a 5-star rating as it helps us over there a ton. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Be sure to hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode as I upload them nearly every single day in all things natural and supernatural. If you're on the go but don't have YouTube Premium but still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, 
You can download them absolutely free from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and just about everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you would like to support The Swamp outside of that, maybe check out the merch store. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, face masks, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool Swamp threads. Don't forget, I'm streaming on Twitch nearly every single day as well. The link in the description is down there if you want to follow. Don't forget to join me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Let me know what story tonight was your favorite in the comments, and I'll see you soon with another creepy episode.